0: Welcome to the one small change podcast with me, Dr. Simon Chard, I'm a cosmetic dentist, public speaker, and startup entrepreneur, but most importantly, I'm a lifelong disciple of self-improvement and optimization. In this podcast, we present conversations with world-class industry leaders, sharing their expertise in high performance, spirituality, business, and health. It's my job to dissect their key behaviors, routines, and mindsets so that you can implement them today to create balance and success in your life. Today's episode is brought to you by Enlightened Tooth Whitening. As a cosmetic dentist, I've used Enlighten to provide tooth whitening results for my patients since I qualified. And the reason that I always come back to Enlighten is they guarantee that B1 result that means my patients are always happy with the outcome. So if you're a dentist, I'd thoroughly recommend reaching out to Enlighten to do one of their free online training courses. And if you're a patient, have a chat with your dentist today about Enlighten tooth whitening, or even look out for one of their regional centers of excellence. Let's get on with the show. Hi guys, welcome to episode 13 of the One Small Change podcast. And today is a slightly different episode. Uh, It's just me riding solo. And what I wanted to do was go through my learnings of the last three, almost four months now of of doing the Once More Change podcast, um, trying to distill down the best bits, pull out the parts that I found have been most influential for me and and actually really changed my life in many ways and um, and try and uh, provide that for all of you guys to give you maximum value in one episode. I'm probably going to start doing these on a on a relatively regular basis just so we can look back, learn, process and actually helps me to look back and see what I've learned over the last few months and to to process it a bit more myself. But I just wanted to start off this episode by saying the whole process has been absolutely fascinating for me. Um, I'm a big fan of taking myself from a position where I'm quite comfortable. Um, for example, I'm very comfortable being a dentist. I've been a dentist for many years. Uh, I've got to a stage where I'm very comfortable lecturing and public speaking, and um, and do that on a relatively regular basis. And, and when I, I find when I get into that comfort zone, um, I want to try the next thing. And and, and podcasting has been that for me. Um, it's been something that I've been playing around with in my head for so many years. Um, I've been a massive fan of podcasts for. for for at least the last I would guess three or four years and always thought maybe that'd be something I'd be good at maybe something that is something I'd really enjoy and get a lot of value out of myself uh, and hopefully provide value for others and give back in that way and it's it's certainly been that and more I mean the response from all of you uh, on Instagram um, in my DMs has been amazing I've been so grateful every week I get so many shares from people uh, saying how much they're enjoying it. I get lovely private messages from people telling me uh, about how it's it's changed the way that they wake up in the morning and, and what their routines are and how their mental health is. Um, I think that Heights, Dan Murray Surtis' company, I need to get some shares in that company and some shares in Peloton because I get a lot of messages, people telling me that they've signed up to Heights and they're on Peloton, which, which is great because they're both awesome companies and, and I, I still use both of those products. Every single day and uh, they have been transformational for me but um, yeah it's just been an awesome process and and I've got to know people that I've known for quite a long time on on, in some ways a relatively superficial level at such a deeper deeper um, connection and it's been really interesting to see how these super successful individuals think, how they process information, how they They act and implement their mindsets in their daily routines and all of that sort of thing. And as I say, we're going to dive into a few of those key takeaways today and uh, and hopefully give you guys as much value from the time that you're spending with us as possible. Um, But to give you a bit more detailed information on the actual podcast itself, because I think lots of people are interested in podcasting, lots of people maybe think that they don't know where to start. And, and that's kind of how I felt a little bit when I first when I first uh, began the process. And that's probably what stopped me from starting two years earlier when I first had the thought of, of creating my own podcast. But a few key tips that I think might be useful for anyone out there who's thinking about starting their own podcast. Firstly, my my biggest piece of advice is just start. Just do it. Whatever gear you've got, it, you can literally do it on your iPhone uh, or on your Android if you're an Android user. Um and uh, that is the most important thing. But I like my gear. I like my tech, as everyone who knows me knows. So um, you would have seen my the rig setup that I'm filming on here on my social media, if you follow me. Um, but a really good article is a Medium post by Dan Murray-Serta, who was, uh, I think, our second guest on the show. And um, he literally documents in such a clear and concise way all the gear he uses, um, the software that he uses, the hardware that he uses, how he manages sponsorship, how he manages um, getting guests on, just all the little details that are so, so important. And that really helped me with my setup. It helped me with finding my mic and with finding my headphones and and Dan actually recommended the software Riverside.fm. Which we are, uh, which we've recorded all the episodes on, which has been fantastic, and um, so that's a really, really good place to start. On top of that, I use the software uh, Anchor for um, distributing my podcast onto uh, Spotify and onto Apple Podcasts and, and all the other podcast sites, and that's really, really easy to use. Um, there's a lot of sort of RSS feeds and lots of sort of codey type stuff, which is not my area of expertise at all that you'll read about online or you'll watch on YouTube when you're sort of thinking about setting up. Anchor takes all of that stress out of it. So that's been really, really useful for me. Um, And then the other thing, um, which has been incredibly powerful, not just on the podcast, but in my whole life, is that I've recently um, hired a virtual assistant. Uh, So start of the year, January, uh, hired a virtual assistant and um, that's through the company A Virtual, which is recommended to me by um, Shaz Mamon uh, from Digimax. And um, I was really nervous about this. I'd read about this in in Tim Ferriss's The Four Hour Work Week many, many whenever I read that five years ago, six years ago at least. Um, and I read about these virtual assistants and. I was a bit scared by it to be honest i don't like giving people my information i don't like sharing too much i'm a bit sort of anxious in that way but shaz gave a a thoroughly um great recommendation of this company and i could see shaz is one of these polymaths that just has so much on the go uh, at the same time he's running his core business but he's also running wells on wheels a a charity providing water to uh, those individuals that need it around the world um as well as organizing events and and speaking and and all these sort of things so he he's similar to me in that way that he's got lots going on he's spinning a lot of plates and using a virtual assistant has just taken all of the stress out all of those jobs that are really time time consuming um but necessary things like writing invoices and, and chasing up invoices and booking um individuals working with calendars um and the, the virtual assistant takes away all of that and especially for the podcast what it's allowed me to do is just create the content so I will uh, coordinate with the guest we'll get them booked in Giselle will handle all the booking and getting all the information over to them I'll record the podcast and then it goes over to the team at a virtual they edit it they sort out all of the content and um, yeah it's just it just means that I can focus on um, creating the best podcast that I can do with regards to the content. And then I can allow the team to deal with the background information, posting onto YouTube, getting it in the right formats, the right sizing, all the different content, that sort of stuff. So it's been really, really powerful for me. Um, I thoroughly recommend it. It's, It's not cheap, but um if you're in a position where you you're running multiple businesses and you need to create time then um it's the only way that i can see to do it and it's significantly cheaper than having your own physical personal assistant in the uk a virtualer based in south africa um and uh, everyone there's been amazing so far um my 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 first virtual assistant unfortunately is moving on cuz her own side hustlers has, has got Uh, so successful that she's um she's no longer working with the company but she's been amazing and and the new lady that i have is is also equally as brilliant so yeah really really great team and i'd thoroughly recommend that if you're in that position where you have lots of opportunities or or um things that you want to execute on but you just don't feel that you've got any more time and I promised Meg when we first started this podcast she was like you're doing something else you're doing another thing you're already running three businesses etc you're already super busy and the only way I could actually create this podcast was by using um, that service so really really rate that Um, and that brings me on to my first deep dive that I want to take today from from what we've learned from the guests so far and that is how they think about decision making The decisions that we make in our life guide how our life is. It guides the future. It guides the direction in which we're moving in. And what I've noticed throughout almost all of my guests is they are very, very critical and analytical thinkers and they're critical and analytical decision makers as well. And the term that I uh, want to dive into here is value-led decision making. So having a matrix, that means that when you're making a decision, every time you default back to what are my core guiding values and does this opportunity fit into those values and it's the same way that we run parlor as a startup we have our core set of values what we're looking to achieve uh, with that business and if the um If the values are set up really clearly right at the start, it means that everyone within the business, all of the team, not just the founders, but all the team that work with them, they know how to make the decisions without having to go back to the founder and saying, Can I do this? Can I do that? It makes a lot of those early decisions um, very straightforward, which means that the whole business can run much more efficiently. And I think that's a really great way to look at your own life as well. Uh, and Paul Brunson said this really, really clearly in, in episode nine, I think it was, that I said to him, Paul, you, you, you're you running so many what appear to be very different businesses, a matchmaker business, a charity um, building schools in, in the Caribbean, um, investments and a podcast and a coaching service. And he said, they may look different, but actually, they all have the same core value, which is that He wants to teach. He wants to be involved with teaching. And actually, that's how he makes all of his decisions is, does this allow me to achieve my core value of teaching people as many people as possible? And I thought that was really, really interesting. Um, And a lot of the guests on our podcast have have made these massive, life-changing decisions. If we look at Richard Badu moving from being a lawyer to a a, a supermodel, if we look at Ben Aldis moving from a a stable finance job to being a Peloton instructor, Um, and if we look at even Paul Brunson going from being an investment banker for billionaires um, to being an international matchmaker, um, what appear to be very scary decisions, And, and all of these guys... Report back saying that they um, all of their friends said that it wasn't a good idea um, because it, it's you're going from a position of stability to a position of insta- potential instability. But the key thing for all of them was that they followed their passion, and I think that actually, if you're doing what you love, I know it sounds really cliche and cringy, but if you're doing what you love, then um, that you've capped the risk already. Um, and again, not wanting to go back to the startup again, but this is something that I really believe with. Um, with parlor and with with any startup if you're thinking about setting up your own startup if you feel that even if the business fails you've made incredible connections and you've learned so much uh, and, and you're better as a person then yes you may have lost that financial investment in that the business wasn't a success but you've actually invested in yourself and in your own learning By um, being surrounded by these individuals, learning from them, and improving yourself, so I think that sort of caps the downside. Um, And all of these guys, they they did um, half and half. They did they 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 actioned on their passions as side hustles first. It seems to be six months is the um, the sort of key breaking point period um Richard Badu was doing fashion shows on the weekend flying to Milan fashion week and then coming back to work and then he ran out of of um of annual leave so he had to make the call same with Ben Aldis he was doing uh, spin classes in the morning before he went to go and work um and the same with Paul Brunson as well and um that I think is a really great thing to do. And, and the beauty with me with the, something like the podcast or something like Parler is that I and the beauty of my profession as a dentist is I can work as many clinical days as I want to. So I can taper it down and up depending. Um, I'll always want to be a dentist, but I love the entrepreneurial business side of things and also the creative side of, of, of of, of building content like we're doing with this podcast so that was really really interesting for me and and that was not planned i didn't <laughs> i didn't go out looking for people that had made uh, huge career shifts um but it just so happened that uh, three of our our sort of first 12 guests had made these these massive life-changing decisions and and what an incredible impact it's had on their lives so yeah that, that was really really interesting. Now the second thing that I want to go to is, is around the mental health um, topic and one constant throughout which was not a surprise for me was that I think all of our guests mentioned that they have ex- daily exercise and meditation or some form of mindfulness as a part of their day-to-day routine and um, I know I drone on about this on social media uh, but I just think it is such a powerful tool in your armamentarium that anyone can do, no matter what your job is, what your uh, social or life setup is, um, that you can meditate and you can exercise without the need for anything other than your own body. And um, daily exercise for me has been the most powerful tool that I've found to keep my mental health uh, in check. Uh, I, th- I would probably say that my mental health is the best that it's ever been at the moment, um, which given that we've just gone through a pandemic is is interesting. But um, I, I definitely put exercise down to that. Uh, and as I say, for me personally, the Peloton's been incredibly powerful, um, but that is an expensive bit of kit. And, and to be honest with you, any form of of active movement as Tony Robbins says change your your physiological state to change your mental state and I fully fully agree with that and and meditation fits into that as well some people use exercise as meditation some people use prayer as meditation Um, for me as I've mentioned before I do a a 15 minute um, guided meditation free on Spotify uh, called uh, it's by an author called Alan Alan Watts guided meditation hack I think it's called not that I like the term hack but um, yeah that works really well for me I've also started doing and I I don't know if I was doing this when I did my first uh, daily routine episode but um, I've started using the um, uh, mindfulness uh, waking app on Spotify as well um, which is by a guy called Niall Breslin, I think his name is. I'll put it in the show notes. Um, and that's really good as well. So that's just a little, tiny little five-minute focus on mindfulness. Um, and it's um, it's a really, really interesting um, way to wake up every day. So what I do is when I, while I'm making my... Um, it's called Daily Wellness on uh, on Spotify. While I'm making my um, my morning uh, like pre workout before I work out, and while I'm just sort of in the kitchen, just waking up, um, I will I'll whack that on my AirPods and listen to it. And it's um, it's just a really nice way to wake up, just to process things. He goes through all sorts of different mindfulness techniques, and for example, uh, last week was um, poems by the Buddhist poet Rumi, and he sort of dissects them. And then uh, this week was uh, song lyrics and mindfully listening to music it's a really interesting uh, and he's got an amazing voice he's a northern irish guy i think um and a really amazing voice and very peaceful it's a really nice way to start the day um it, they, he also does an end of day one as well which i don't listen to just because it doesn't fit into my routine but that's a really great thing and again free on spotify which is brilliant so exercise and meditation i'm not going to go on about those anymore because i've done it to death i think um but please if you're not doing some form of movement every day even if it's 30 press-ups when you wake up, uh, start doing it and you'll be amazed at the impact. Um, but one thing that I wasn't expecting to be so prevalent uh, was the use of CBD um, so CBD oil and um, this was most most clear in the podcast with Will Gooch, uh, the model and ultra marathon runner, uh, which was episode eight I think uh, but also uh, from Paul Brunson again. And they were both very bullish about their their use of uh, CBD oil uh, and the, and a balm as well. So both of them were using both of these products on almost a daily basis. And I myself hadn't used CBD oil before. Um, it was something that I was very aware of. I'd seen the the sort of craze of CBD oil, but I kind of viewed it as a bit of a fad and uh, and not something with any serious scientific evidence behind it. Uh, i was wrong about that clearly um and since then i've done a lot of research into it but the, ki- the the interesting thing with um with both these guys was that uh they were using it on a daily basis uh, paul put the use of cbd oil down to his incredible mental health and and clarity and peacefulness um and that was really really interesting that he felt that actually he didn't have anxiety um Pre- uh, previous to that, his his wife actually was the one struggling with anxiety, and she had found that it was really powerful. So he started using it, and he found that th- those small amount of anxious thoughts that he was having completely went away. And he and he has actually a uh, somewhere that he sources it in the UK, as well as somewhere that he sources it in the states because he lives in both countries, and you can't travel with it. And um, uh, that just should, goes to show, I guess, how uh, how powerful he thinks it is for him. Um, Will, on the other hand, used it in a slightly different way. He was running an 850-mile uh, run from uh, Land's End to John O'Groats and um, was dosing up on codeine, uh, I think he said, for the first um, three or four days of the run and um, using that to get through the the pain of this incredible feat where he was running basically an, an ultra marathon every day um, for 14 days or 16 days. And um, he switched over to CBD oil and um he started doing much more distance he started having far more energy he started having far less pain and um that was really really interesting for me um so since then um pure sport cbd who's the company that will works for um sent me over uh, some of their oil and of their balm um for free so it was gifted but this is not a sponsored ad they don't know that i'm i'm saying this um And I've been using it every day since then. So I take around 0.5 mil in the morning and 0.5 mil just before bed, sort of built it into my routine. And um, yeah, I've actually found it, I found it really great, to be honest. I think that my my episodes of anxiety have reduced uh, in frequency um, on a sort of a month by month basis. Um, I found that um, I just feel a bit calmer. Uh, I mentioned I think before the chimp paradox by Steve Peters which is an incredible book um, for anyone who hasn't read it and um, the chimp paradox is basically about using your human brain or using your chimp brain the chimp brain reacts um, in a very visceral way for example the classic example I use is road rage someone cuts you up you swear at them and you shout at them and and sometimes you've got your kids in the car and that sort of thing and it, that's obviously a really not just it's it's completely futile emotional out outburst um so the chimp paradox is all about controlling your chimp and not doing those sort of things but cbd oil um i found has helped with my chimp even more um and i it's something that i've been working on since reading the chimp paradox is is maintaining a more sort of even keel of emotional state but i feel that cbd oil really helps with that without any fuzziness or lack of clarity which i think i was a little nervous about um it was sort of slowing down brain speed or something like that i don't know why i thought that but actually it's been really really powerful for me uh, i've also built in um and i'm and i'm going to continue using it to be honest with you um it's it's been really great I might, I might try out um some other brands as well just to see if there's any difference i know that um paul brunson recommended london botanicals i think was the company that he uses in, in london uh, and there's different types of cbd oil cbd plus cbda was something that he recommended so I, might, I may try that out be very very careful where you source your cbd oil from they've done some very interesting studies showing that um they tested i think 80 uh, different brands of CBD oil and actually showed that uh, almost all of them contained less cbd oil than was labeled on the packaging they also found that 18 of those 80 um contained some traces of thc which is the uh, the active sort of more um it's uh, psych- not psychedelic, but the, the the sort of narcotic element of the of the marijuana plant, um, which a lot of people that doesn't agree with them. So that shouldn't have been in there, and it was because of the the way that the product had been manufactured. So just be very co- careful with which company you use. Try and do your research and and find the one that is best for you. Um, the other thing I've been using is the CBD balm, uh, and I've been using this in combination with the Theragun, which which Will uh, Gooch had also recommended and uh, that works very very nicely and it's, it's a nice evening routine i've tried to sort of build a bit of a sunday self-care routine where i'll um i'll, I'll use the theragun o- over my whole body especially on my it bands um so down the sort of lateral surface of the thighs with all this pelotoning uh, it's necessary to get a bit tight there um and it's like a deep tissue massage but with the cbd oil again it's it's an anti-inflammatory so it reduces inflammation um it's and it, it just seems to enhance sleep and, and relaxation and, and that sort of thing as well so uh that's another thing that i've built into my uh into my routine but i'm fascinated by um this uh I, what i want to talk about in this podcast as well is just things that are fascinating me right now uh, um just so i sort of uh ho- hopefully can can create a um a community and a, and a chat around these topics but something that's really interesting me right now is Um, The number of studies coming through from big institutions like King's College London, like NYU, like uh, John Hopkins um, in the States um, around the use of drugs which we used to uh, or traditionally have seen as uh, dangerous recreational drugs, um, but increasingly are popping up and showing that they can be used for medicinal purposes. So um, this brings about a, a combination of, of two of my passions, um, which is pharmacology and psychology. Many people won't know that my first degree before dentistry was a pharmacology degree, which I did at Bristol. Uh, very, very hard. <laughs> really uh, struggled to get my 2.1 um, to get into dentistry, um, but fa- fascinating at the same time. And um, it was the link between pharmacology and psychology that actually was my most interesting part. I, I, did open units in psychology I did an A level in psychology and um, my thesis uh, my end of uh, end of degree thesis in pharmacology was actually on whether stress or genetics was the cause of depression so it's a topic that I'm really fascinated by and I think that's probably why I've I, I lectured now on mental health and and it's such a Uh, It's such an important passion of mine is talking more about mental health and working towards resolutions for it because it's such a a prevalent issue Um, so that's I think why I've been so interested in in the fact that drugs like uh, MDMA and um, psilocybin which is the active component of magic mushrooms are now showing incredible results for treating conditions which are very, very prevalent, but very poorly treated. So things like PTSD, things like treatment-resistant depression, all now in highly controlled clinical studies showing uh, some really interesting results. And it's something that I want to talk about more because I think it needs to be brought into the mainstream, um, and it is starting to be now, um, because it can have such a a dramatic impact on these people's lives. Um, uh, Treatment-resistant depression... Um, is really prevalent I mean depression is very badly treated so many people are on SSRIs uh, serotonin um, specific reuptake inhibitors which is things like um, Prozac or fluoxetine or that sort of stuff um, trying to re- remember all my pharmacology days now but um, yeah I mean even for me the number of patients who are, I see who are on um, antidepressants is is increasing and um, so I'm really keen that we find alternatives to treat this because um the what the, the medicines that we're using at the moment in many cases aren't working i also am very keen on the fact that these these compa a lot of these compounds like psilocybin um uh come from a, sort of a more natural sourcing which always seems to make a bit more sense to me um but king's college london have been doing a study i've been doing trials on uh the use of psilocybin on um treatment resistant depression and showing some incredible results um on, uh, on the efficacy of that, um, which is great to see. And, I, and I'd love to get someone on. I I, I always remember from my pharmacology days, the, the study, uh, the paper from Professor David Nutt, um, who many, many of you may remember from the news, I think back in maybe may sort of 2015 now, where he was on the advisory panel to the government around drugs uh, and the use of drugs. And he came out and said that riding a horse um, you had a 1 in 350 chance of serious adverse events or adverse uh, effect on the body. Whereas um, ecstasy, I think he, he referenced in this specific um, comment, you had a 1 in 10,000 chance of experiencing an adverse effect. And yet, obviously, horse riding is legal and, MDMA, uh, and ecstasy is is illegal. And And that that he, for that reason, I think he was exited, and the Home secretary at the time wasn't very happy with him. But the reason why he said that is that he wrote the study on the harmful effect of drugs. And I always remember this study, and I used to talk to makes about it all the time, was that basically you, there's a graph showing the effect of drugs on the user and on everyone else so, and on society. Top of that list, alcohol, highly detrimental to the user highly detrimental to society and, and the graph goes down and it's a really interesting list and that you can find this online if you just google professor David Nutt impact of drugs or something like that um, and interestingly compounds like psilocybin compounds like um, MDMA right down the bottom um, far lower impact on the user far lower impact on the um, uh, on society whereas in vertical commas drugs that are used quite prevalently in society so things like Uh, tobacco or alcohol um, right up at the top. Now obviously things like heroin and that sort of thing that you would expect to be at the top are at the top as well but it's just a really interesting debate I think Um, and the war on drugs is a very interesting and a highly sort of debated topic um, that uh, in many ways isn't really working and that we have so many people going to jail for drug related offences and and then leading into more and more um, criminal activities um so yeah it's it's really interesting and i'm looking forward to seeing how it moves forward it's it's an area that i'm considering investing in um from sort of a financial point of view um after watching um uh one of the co-founders of compass pathways on steve bartlett's podcast i was really um interested in in that company and, and that uh, individual investor himself and um and so I may look at, at putting investments into that sort of department because I think it's going to be a rapidly developing and growing sector. Talking briefly on investments, I'll, I'll tangent and segue onto that um, very briefly um, before I come back to mental health. But Paul Brunson put an absolute gem into, um, into his talk where he talks about his investment strategy. Now, take into account he was an investment banker for, um, for uh, a billionaire he, he, he handled the investments for the billionaires' funds. So he knows a, th- a thing or two about being an investor. And um, I've always steered clear of individual investments. Uh, the reason being, as I mentioned in that podcast, I uh, have read uh, Seven Steps to Financial Freedom by Tony Robbins many years ago. And they go into a lot of detail there on actively managed funds versus uh, index-linked tracker funds. So an index-linked tracker fund, basically you're just betting on the market you're betting on the capitalism in essence that the markets will continue to grow over the years and if you keep on putting money into that in those investments through the power of compounding you will um uh, do far better than if you held that money in cash which in general is a depreciating asset um especially at the moment so um that's always been my financial strategy but uh paul uh Uh, Well, it's something I've been thinking about a lot more recently that I want to invest in companies that I think are going to grow and and try and get involved on a more company by company, more specific basis. But I've always steered clear of it because of a lack of sort of knowledge of the market and that sort of thing. And Paul had a really nice three pillar strategy to his investments. Um, And those three pillars were number one, can you explain their business model? Is it simple enough that you can explain it to your child? Um, And do you understand it well enough that you can explain it to your child? And that was really interesting, I thought, um, as a a starting point. The second uh, pillar was, do you use their product? So if you're an active user of their product, for example, I use Riverside or I use Peloton, um, then I know the ins and outs of that product. And obviously I I've bought it, I've paid money for it. So uh, other people you would expect would do as well. And then the final point, which is a a sort of a curveball that that I wouldn't have expected, is do they have $100 million uh, in cash in the bank? And this is something that you can search online. But the reason for that is that he wants to cap his downside again, which is something that is a repeating theme here. Um, So what he's trying to avoid there is the company going out of business if there's a big financial crash, for example, like the COVID pandemic. So that was really, really interesting for me. And I think hopefully that that brings you guys some value um, because I found that to be a really interesting um, way to analyse potential investments in companies that you think uh, might be a good idea. Uh, and investment and investing is something that I think all of us should be doing. I think we shouldn't be holding all of our money in cash. As I said before, it, it's a depreciating asset. It may seem low risk, but actually it's the biggest risk you can take because that money is shrinking year on year um, because especially at the moment there's very poor interest rates um, for savings accounts so um yeah that's something that i've been looking at a lot recently Uh, and that led me a little bit down a little bit of a rabbit hole here into something else that i'm really passionate about and doing a lot of education on at the moment which is nfts or non-fungible tokens now let me just dive into this a little bit here to give you a bit of information. I'm not, I'm not an expert by any means, um, but it's something that I'm just quite interested in and seems to be blowing up at the moment. So a, a non-fungible token is basically a, a unit of data on a digital ledger or a blockchain um, where each NFT or nifty or non-fungible token can represent a unique digital item. OK, so it's unique, so it can't be changed. So unlike a, a Bitcoin that can be exchanged for a set value of cash, for example, or, or other blockchain, uh, these are um, they're one offs. And, and the way in which NFTs are being used is in essence is digital art. So um, a video of um, a basketball, for example, there's a, a big NFT platform called Top Shots. And basketball clips of let 's say Michael Jordan doing a slam dunk, you can own the original clip of that, and what that means is that 's yours forever, and that will go up in value or go down in value depending on the scarcity, depending on supply and demand um and depending on the market and um, People are calling this the next generation the next sort of art explosion. this is going to be the future of art. Uh, And people like Gary Vee are talking about this like it's going to be the next social media, the next Internet. That's how big they think this can be. And that's being shown already. I mean, an artist called Beeple recently sold one of his pieces, I think through Christie's, for $69 million. I mean, absolutely crazy for a digital piece of art that you can take a screenshot on. It's on Instagram. Um, But if you own the original, um, then that's where the... uh, that's where the financial opportunity is held, and and that might seem odd, but if you think about it, um, a piece of art from Banksy um, can be replicated uh, and look exactly the same as the original, but it's the, it's the ledger, it's the it's the credibility of the ownership that drives the incredible value that these pieces have and that's exactly the same with this new digital platform we weren't able to do it before because there was no uh, way to have an uneditable un um, sort of cheatable ledger but with the bitcoin and nfts have, have been built on ethereum um but i think other blockchains are also getting involved now um with ethereum and with the with the ledger uh, the credibility of the ownership and the and the history of the ownership can be tracked and that's where the difference is and that's why this is blowing up because people feel as though this is the next generation of art I mean imagine buying a bank a Banksy before he was as big as he is now there's an, an incredible opportunity to make a big um, financial benefit there but there's also a, an enjoyment I think of the of the whole community and the whole I mean art is there to be enjoyed right so um, anyway it's a very interesting space Please take all of my investment discussions as purely entertainment and and, and not as recommendations because I'm certainly not an expert. Um, But it's something that I am focusing on my self-education on. Um, And actually, I don't do clinics on a Monday afternoon anymore. And I've I've promised myself that one Monday a month, I'm going to spend a couple of hours um, educating myself around future investments. And I think that's a really intelligent thing to do because... It's all about making your money work for you right and if you don't have the knowledge to do that and the people around you to help you do that like financial advisors etc um, to sort of balance you out then um, then you're always working to make the money instead of um, getting the money to work for you so the last point that I want to talk about is um, is therapy and again this I was surprised about the prevalence of the use of therapists and therapy throughout a number of my guests. Uh, Dan murray to mentioned this, Jim Chapman, Matt Willis. Um, and uh, yeah, really, really interesting um, the value that these guys all put on therapy. Uh, I mean, Jim Chapman said that it saved his life. Matt Willis said that it's completely revolutionized his. Um, and I know Dan's getting a lot of value out of it as well. And um, it's something that I've been thinking about for a long time. Not because I'm in any... Dire straits, or or mental breakdown, or anything like that, um, but more just with a view to to bettering myself. Really, um, again, I think that we're all guilty of of trying to scramble to to solve an issue after the issue has presented itself. And I think if we can actually um, do some some prehab, do some some training, then when the eventual negative life event presents itself which it will do to all of us all of us will experience a loved one dying all of us will experience uh, uh, well hopefully not all of us but a lot of us will experience medical problems ourselves um there's lots of negative things that present themselves in life but um by doing some uh, some work around structures and frameworks of your own thinking i think that you can really develop as a person and really improve yourself Um, so I've been looking, I've been doing a lot of research into this. I got my, my virtual assistant to, to, to do some research on, um, on different therapists and that sort of thing. And, and I haven't started it yet. I don't know why I haven't pulled the trigger on it. Um, but I've recently found a company called better you. Um, I think it's better you.com, which is an online platform, um, of thousands of therapists. Um, and it's all done virtually. It's all done via video call and zoom and that sort of thing. Um, and they match you up to the therapist based on an analysis of what you're after. And I really like that idea of using data uh, and using technology to improve the efficacy because I think what I'm nervous about is I'm going fi- to go to a therapist that I just pick randomly on Google and um, and actually I'm not going to vibe with them. I'm not going to relate with them and I don't want to waste my time to be quite frank. Um, so I think I'm hoping that using this this platform... Um I think yeah, using this platform is going to have a it's gonna allow me to finally pull the trigger on it, I guess, and uh I'll certainly report back uh in one of our future solo episodes and let you all know how that's going but as I say, from our guest reports they they all say that um it's been incredibly powerful for them um and it's something that I'm definitely going to uh definitely gonna have a look at moving forward so that's it, guys. Um, thank you so much for listening. I hope today's episode was uh, was useful. It uh, wasn't too rambly. Um, as I say, thank you so much for the support of the podcast so far. Uh, please do subscribe. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts if you can do. Please share it to your friends and family. Um, I'm putting everything into this podcast. We've got some incredible guests coming up. Um, and I've made it my mission to have a real nice variety of individuals. I'm a multifaceted individual with multiple different passions and I like to hear from people from different walks of life and we've got um, sort of some of the biggest companies in the country's CEOs coming on, we've got TV stars, we've got um, people that have worked for Google, we've got loads of really really interesting guests coming up um, and um, yeah I can't wait to, to share it with you all and uh, if you guys want any Uh, specific guests that you've thought of that you think would be good for the show then please let me know Um, and um, if you wanted to cover any different topics then let me know what I'm trying to do with the podcast is cover four key categories health wealth happiness and spirituality and I'm trying to keep that rotation going as much as possible. Because for me, I think if you can get those four things right, then life becomes a lot more straightforward and a lot easier. Now, it's not very easy to get those four things right. Um, I think everyone's striving towards that. But I think if you focus and you and you try and balance out those elements, then um, uh, then you're, you're, you're more in a, in a stronger position to, to have a, a fulfilled and, and happy life, which is what I want for all of you. So thanks for listening, guys. Um, I'll catch you on the next one. And until next time, enjoy the ride. Hi, guys. Simon again here. Just one more thing before you guys go. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really hope it gave you an immense amount of value. If I could ask just one thing of you all, please subscribe to the podcast. Please share it. Please write a review if you enjoyed it. Please talk to your friends about it. The bigger the podcast gets, the better the guests I can get on and the more value I can give back to you all. So that's it from me. I'll see you on the next one. And until next time, enjoy the ride.